Hello everyone and welcome along to the latest instalment of the Sport Huddle, brought to you by Leeds Hospital Radio Sports Team. My name's Ian and tonight we're joined by Jim, Bernie and Stuart and we'll be chewing the fat over the West Yorkshire Derby that was on Saturday. We'll also be chatting about the Rugby Union World Cup final and the World Cup as a whole and we'll also be putting our two pennies in on the Cricket World Cup and um, how... I hope Afghanistan win it now. Um, so we're going to go with, um, we're going to start um, with the uh, West Yorkshire derby on Saturday. Um, it kind of finished at half time, I think. Um, and I think that's where most Huddersfield fans, I think, left Elland Road. Um, but one one of them is here. Um, and so I'm going to, um, well, compound his misery by asking him to talk about it now for the next couple of minutes. Um Bernie, um, Leeds 4, Huddersfield 1. Um, discuss. Thank you, Ian. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah, I, th- I thought I'd better front up this evening and come on um, uh, and uh, face the music, as it were. But the first thing I want to say is um, just to pay tribute to Leeds, really, because they really did look good. They, I think we knew what was going to happen. They are very, very fast on the break, on the attack. And, uh, yeah, they, they, they destroyed Huddersfield in the first half. There's no question about that. And, um, I, I, I was in no rush actually to, uh, to get to the ground. Um, by, uh, uh, finding a ticket of my own. So I wasn't too disappointed when I didn't get either. Um, so I decided I'd uh, better while my afternoon away doing something useful. So I spent the first half of the game in Morrison's and the second half in the gym. Uh, <laughs> what, I, what I did do was check the score at half time. And at that point, I, my worst fears were, were uh, uh, realised because uh, it leads were 4-0 up, of course. And uh, listening to the reports, they, they were worth every uh, every goal. And, uh, and they certainly were from what I've seen of it. Um, so I, at the end of the game, I suppose uh, it came as a bit of a relief, really, that it wasn't a cricket score. Because I think had Leeds concentrated and not uh, perhaps rested some of the key players and given some of the other players game time, it, and taking the, probably taking the foot off the gas, it has to be said, it really could have been worse. So it was um, most unlike most, uh, well, derbies generally, and, and West Yorkshire derbies in particular, that uh, they are usually fairly close, and this one was nothing like it. So uh, having got that out of the way, um, I think uh, th- things are not good for Huddersfield Town at the moment, and I'll uh, I'll concentrate on the Huddersfield side of it. The rest of you may have uh, something to say about Leeds more, but uh, just for me to stay, uh, j- just before I do finish on the Leeds side, um, Leeds uh, are performing extremely well at the moment. They're, they've had their off days like they did at Stoke uh, a, a week or so back, but they are looking like a very, very strong side. I thought that Daniel Fatt would do something for them. I did think it would take him a bit longer to get things pulled round, but they do look a very, very effective unit, and uh, I think they'll do extremely well this season. So, uh, just back to Huddersfield, though. Uh, if it gets even worse than that performance, and it was dire, um, that, that is that um, they've now lost uh, the, the really the only attacking force they had in Jack Rodone who's been very, very consistent in attack since he joined the club at the start of last season. And he's been having a pretty good season, actually, himself. He's um, The only thing that let him down last season was he, he won't score enough goals. He only got two over the, the course of the season. He's, uh, he's overtaken that already with three so far this term, which might not sound a lot, but it's pretty good by Huddersfield standards at the moment. Uh, so they've lost him uh, through, through a foot injury in the Cardiff match last week. And um, he's going to be out for quite a few weeks by the sounds of it. And uh, Jonathan Hogg, of course, uh, made a pretty rash challenge on Saturday. He's got his fifth booking of the season and he's out for, uh, for, for this weekend. So the options available to manager Darren Moore for this week are pretty dire. They are at home to Watford. Uh, Watford are hit and miss. Um, I'm not saying for a moment that they can't get something out of this game. Because uh, you would normally expect the strength of this Huddersfield squad to be in defence. 
it's not at the moment. They've shipped eight goals in the last two games, but uh, surely there must be a reaction to Saturday's performance. And um, I, I do expect them to, to come back and, uh, and, and put up a, a, a bit of resistance against Watford. And uh, really, after that, it's just a matter of struggling through to January when uh, it is expected that some money will be made available for transfers. Uh, just who they can get in January and whether they'll be suitable, uh, we'll have to wait and see. But, uh, yeah, I'm, um, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm as despondent as I've been for a long time about Huddersfield Town's fortunes. And that's for a team that's struggled for the last, um, all but one of the last six seasons in relegation battles. So, um I wish I could be a bit brighter, uh, Ian, but uh, that's my summary of the game and the current situation at Huddersfield Town. No, no, we've got to be realistic here, Bernie. So um, I think most Huddersfield fans, I mean, the ones I know, are very um, have similar views to, to yourself. Um, one of them's not going um, because um, she's still uh, pining for Neil Warnock to be back, but um, I think she might be an odd one. Um, but um, yeah, there's a couple of Huddersfield fans at work who really are like just so like despondent and down and can't see um, a light out of it at the moment. But um, there's always hope. There is always hope. I mean, it's the hope that gets you in the end. But you know, there is always hope. Huddersfield's um, on and nothing if not uh, unpredictable. So uh, we have yes. that in our locker. Um, our colleague here, Jim, is a is a Leicester City fan. And Leicester are playing Leeds um, on Friday. And I do believe we have got um, live coverage of that on Friday night. So if you're listening to this on Friday, keep your radio tuned in because you'll be hearing full match commentary on Leicester Leeds on uh, Friday night, as far as I know. Um, Jim, what are you expecting um, on Friday? Uh, well, I'm not expecting any live commentary, Ian, I don't think. <laughs> unless, it, oh, unless, yeah. it, unless it's changed. Because I was down to do the game. Ah, well, uh, when did you speak to him? Um, Yeah, admittedly, it was a while ago. Right. No, I think we should put we should put the record straight. Uh, I think uh, well, uh, Jim's going to tell you, but uh, Jim and was due to cover it, uh, but it was changed to Friday. So uh, uh, just to be clear, we won't be covering it on Lee Hospital Radio Sport tomorrow night. Yeah. My apologies. Which is which is a great shame because I think it would have made a. Uh, a cracking Saturday afternoon game, um, yes. and I would have been there then. Um, I think it will make a cracking Friday night game. Uh, I was looking at the head-to-heads between the two teams. Uh, Leeds have won 48, Leicester have won 46, and there have been 35 draws. Um, I think this has the makings of a really good match. Um, there's a lot riding on it, particularly for Leeds, because at the moment there's 14 points between the two teams. Um, and if Leeds were to lose, that would mean there'd be 17 points behind Leicester. Um, and that's a lot to catch up, even at this stage, this stage of the season. Um, my own view of the game, uh, is that it will be decided down the Leeds right hand side. And the reason I say that is because, uh, I think Leeds are weak at right back and Leicester are weak at left back at the moment while uh, Doyle is out uh, injured uh, and uh, it's all a case of whether uh, or which side's wingers on that particular side of the pitch um, get the upper hand. Uh, and I think it will be a good uh, be a good indicator for you when the Leicester team is announced or when the Leicester team starts as to whether Ricardo or Justin play left back because they do interchange and uh, Maresca, the Leicester manager, tends to play Pereira down the left when he is worried about the attacking threat down that side. Um, if he is less worried, like he was last week at Queen's Park Rangers, Justin will play on the left and Pereira will play on the right because that's much better for Leicester's attacking point of view. Um, but having seen Leeds in operation, my only question, which others might want to comment on, is I'm not quite clear what Leeds' best team is because... Um, uh, there seems to be quite a bit of chopping and changing, and I'm not sure that that's just to give people a rest. Uh, and so if you, you think you've got James, you've got Somerville, you've got Nonto, um, uh, you've got Rutter and, Rutter and Pirro who seem to always play, uh, and Bamford in the wings as well. So I'm not too sure who the two wide players for Leeds, uh, the manager feels is the best. 
Um, and I, I'm certainly sh- not sure what, who he thinks is the best right back because that does seem to be a problem position. So I think it'll be a cracking game because um, uh, Fark in his uh, press conference apparently said that uh, uh, he wasn't going to try and shut up shop. Um, and if he's watched the uh, Sunderland match, that's the way to get at Leicester is you've got to deny him the ball. Um, and if you let Leicester have 75% of the ball, which they had in most of the matches, um, Leicester will eventually score. Um, they'll certainly be a lot better defensively than Huddersfield were, I'll tell you that. Um, but um, uh, So I, I, I wouldn't be surprised at a draw, to be honest. Um, yeah. I wouldn't be at all surprised at a draw. Um, but uh, Leeds have got it all on to to cope with uh, with the Leicester attack, with the Leeds defence as it is. That would be my my summary. Yep, absolutely fantastic. And just to confirm, we are not covering the game now. Um, Leicester, as it was moved to the Friday night. Um, Ian, just to just to take uh, just to answer J- uh, Jim's uh, question there, I think it was a question about um, Leeds' best team. I I, I, th- I think we are, we actually saw their first eleven out on Saturday against Huddersfield, um, with uh, James on the uh, Dan James. Uh, on on the right and uh, Somerville on the left and they they absolutely killed Huddersfield um, such that uh, half time um, uh, Huddersfield took off their Tom Edwards who played uh, right back who got absolutely taken apart by a combination yeah he he, he got completely taken apart by a combination of Ruta Ruta and uh, Somerville Uh, and and Dan James um, I think uh, Ibrahim, uh, sorry, Diara got taken off at half time. He just wasn't provided necessary cover uh, down the down the flank, and and James had the the run of it. So I think uh, Farker has experimented a bit. I think he found out against uh, against Stoke midweek when they lost one nil. He played. Uh, he had Anthony, who's on loan from Bournemouth, and uh, Nonto as as the wings. Uh, neither of them made any great impression. He also gave uh, Gruev the uh, Bulgarian that they bought in summer, his first start, he didn't impress. Uh, so on, on Saturday, he brought Kamara back into midfield, who uh, who I think is really impressive, actually, Glenn Kamara. 56 caps for Finland, uh, 118 uh, uh, appearances for Glasgow Rangers. It just provides that, uh, alongside Ampadu, they're as good as any in that base of uh, base midfield, that uh, defensive Duo in front of the back four. Uh, they were really, really impressive. Even in a four-one victory, I thought uh, I thought they were great. Um, and uh, James Wright, I mean, Leeds' issue is it full back? I think probably both full backs actually. Um, Byram's come in because Furpo's been injured, uh, and at right back, uh, Jamie Shackleton actually started at right back on Saturday. Clearly, Luke Ayling has dropped down the pecking order. Uh, Archie Gray had played at right back, but uh, he'd had two pretty uh, pretty poor games previous, so he was relegated to the bench. And interestingly, when Ailing came on as substitute for Shackleton, who got ahead of him as as right back on Saturday, then Shackleton, when Byron came off, Shackleton went across to left back and, and Ailing to right back. So uh, there's some frailties, Jim. I think you're right to, for Leicester to exploit. Uh, but I'll tell you what, that Leeds attacking quartet of James, Somerville, Ruta and Piro is as good as any in the uh, in, in the championship. And, uh, you, you know, when, when they're fit and firing, wow, they're uh, they're going to take some they're going to take some handling. It's going to be a great game tomorrow night. Two yeah, evenly matched sides. Yeah. 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 It's going to be a belter. So if you can access uh, Sky Sports. Uh, for that on Friday, um, it will be an absolute cracker um, between Leicester and Leeds, the two teams, uh, along with Southampton, who came down from the Premier League last season. Um, so we'll leave our local football there. Um, just so you know, we are covering Huddersfield Watford on Saturday and you'll hear the Dorset tones of me and also Alan Breeze, uh, um, Stuart Statler to uh, Stuart's Waldorf. Um, <laughs> Something like that, anyway. So yeah, so, me and uh, me and Alan Breeze will be uh, chewing the fat at Huddersfield against Watford. Um, hopefully, we'll have um, some exciting stuff to uh, <clears throat> to bring you on Saturday afternoon. So uh, we're going to go to the Rugby Union World Cup, the the final. Um, we're going to come to Jim, who's our uh, Rugby Union uh, expert. Well, he's from Leicester, so he knows everything about Rugby Union. 
Um, so, um, Jim, was the final ruined by the red card? Was it a red card? And are South Africa definitely the best team in the world? Uh, no, yes and no. Um, <laughs> uh, um, I, I, I didn't think the final was ruined because I thought New Zealand played <clears throat> extremely well. Um, and, uh, could easily have got over the line, but you somehow had a feeling. I, I mean, before it started, I'd picked South Africa, but you just, you had just had a feeling in the last three games when they just got over the line against France, they just got over the line against England, um, that somehow their name was on the cup. Um, and when you think about it, um, one of their real stars was Andre Pollard. Um, and he wasn't originally in the team, in the squad. He was brought in to, uh, as an, as a replacement. Um, and so all the, all, if you like, all the stars in the sky seemed to align, uh, to support, to support South Africa. Um, they had a superb game plan. Uh, they put it into, into practice terrifically well. Um, New Zealand pushed them really, really hard. Um, but it was a red card, I'm afraid. Um, in the uh, the schema of things, um, it, just one of those rugby incidents that you get. There was no malice intended, but in the rules of the game, it was a red card. It's a bit like offside in football. You know, it intends to be offside, but if you mm. if you're fractionally offside, you're offside, and that's that's all there is to it. Um, uh, I thought New Zealand. With a, if like, with, with a better team. Um, and I think the weather played a part even for South Africa because it, it did hamper the ability of New Zealand to move the ball at the pace they would normally move it at. Um, and without the extra man, um, they weren't able to move South Africa around the field as they would have, I'm sure, wanted, uh, wanted to do. But I think the fact that South Africa had played um, New Zealand uh, at Twickenham in the summer and given them quite a heavy beating influenced the team selection and you'd have to say whether you like them or whether you don't, the South African coaches really made every big call correct um, and so um, I thought it was an interesting game to watch uh, somebody said to me they thought it was boring I didn't find it boring at all um, I thought it was, uh, uh, it was an enthralling game and it was certainly you know anybody's game right up until the last uh, the last second. Um, shout out for Wayne Barnes. I thought did very well. Um, I didn't think there were any particular decisions that got missed that ought to have been been given. Um, and I was just looking at the, uh, the headline in the Sunday Times, which says "Scrappy Blocks Limp Their Way to Glory," and I, I think that was actually probably pretty pretty close. And uh, I think they were scrappy, but on the other hand. They were superbly marshaled and they did what they had to do and they had some outstanding stars as well. So, yeah. um, uh, it seems to have been going on forever. I have to say that. Um, <laughs> and, uh, what I do think, uh, well, so I've got two, two other points to make. One is, um, I don't think it's right that, that the teams that have got knocked out, that their players that have been at the World Cup are allowed to play straight away back in the Premiership. I think there should have been an embargo that anybody that's in the World Cup is not allowed to play for the club until a certain date. So everybody has a level playing field. Um, <laughs> and I mean, Leicester benefited from that last weekend because we had Tommy Rafael back. But um, uh, certainly the other teams that have been knocked out, you've got players in the Premiership, it does bolster them. Um, and the second thing I'd like to say is that I think there's been some very unfair press about Kevin Sinfield. Um I thought Kevin Simfield had done a really, really good job as England defence coach. Um, he's clearly being written off. Um, and there are question marks being asked about his um, technical ability. And I think that's entirely wrong. Um, I think in the time that he's worked with this England team, the England defence has tightened up immensely. And the display against Argentina um, and the, um, the display against South Africa... I think was testimony to the way Kevin Simfield uh, had organised the defence. So um, if he wants to move on for personal reasons, that's absolutely fine by me. But I think to suggest that uh, somehow or other he hasn't been up to the job, uh, I think is a disgrace, quite frankly. 
Do you think there's still a bit of, um, oh, I don't know what the word is, but because he's from rugby league, yeah, is it like there's more of a, he's got to prove himself beyond any other doubt because of his background in rugby league rather than him coming through rugby union? Is do you think there is something like that still there? I, I mean, who knows, Ian? I mean, the the the, the powers that be in the uh, the RFU, um, I, I really, really, really don't know. Um, mm. The only thing I would say is that uh, uh, it may be that uh, England's loss is leads his gain um, if they're looking for a new head coach. Yes, yeah, and we'll see about that um, as they're selling the uh, season tickets for 2024 already um thanks very much um Stuart you said you wanted to say something about the rugby union yeah yeah um my, my view on it is it doesn't matter who's number one in the world actually it matters who's world champions mm-hmm. and uh South Africa got that South Africa got that absolutely bang on um and you know we, we've seen how difficult in the cricket world cup which we'll talk about sh- shortly how difficult it is to uh defend uh, your um, your title uh, and South Africa set out to defend their title and were absolutely determined not to uh, not to let it go and I think the seeds of that actually were sown in the group match against Ireland you know Ireland came in as everybody's darlings everybody thought that you know Ireland are world number one and uh, this is their time but actually in that group match although Ireland won it had Pollard been playing. South Africa likely would have won that game actually, because uh, they, they they lost it on not being able to kick a goal or a, a conversion or a penalty, uh, and you know to 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 win their quarter final against the home favourites by one point, to win the semi final against England by one point when for 88 minutes 78 minutes they were behind, uh, and then to to graft it out in what was just an arm wrestle of a final. I thought it was a superb game, actually. I think it was spellbinding. And to win that by one point as well, I think just really, really demonstrates uh, the the belief, the, the, the incredible self-belief that um, you know, was within that group of players and, and, and the management and everybody uh, around South Africa. Uh, I think they're to be roundly congratulated and, and I think, you know, that they really demonstrated um, how deep you need to go to, uh, to to win a world tournament and particularly to defend your your world crown. I thought, uh, you know, great credit to them. And as I say, it, it really doesn't matter who's world number one. It matters who's the world champions. That's what you remember. That's it. It's actually, um, in football, I don't think anyone has won it twice on the trot. Since um, since Brazil in Brazil. 58 and 62. 58-62, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it is. It's it is. It's not the easiest thing. No one has won the Champions League back to back apart from uh, Real Madrid in the last uh, ten years. Before that, no one had done it um, up till. Um, God, that might have been Liverpool or even uh, my favourite. Um, team um, <laughs> whose name I can't quite remember right now um, but yeah so it is really, it's the most difficult thing to actually retain it when you've won it the one the one time to then go and retain it the next time and uh, speaking of that and uh, Stuart uh, mentioned um, England's defence of the Cricket World Cup um, is um, well it's over it's been over for a while but it is over Um Bottom of the uh, bottom of the group um, have won one game, um, and that was against Bangladesh, um, but uh, who are still above England in the table. Um, I have three proper cricket gurus here who are going to give me their thoughts, their wisdom, um, and their their well, just what's what's happened, what's gone on, why, why. Um, why? Um, Bernie, we'll start with you, sir. Well, I'd rather concentrate on what's going on at the top end of the table, actually. Ian, <laughs> I, I will just spend a moment or two on England. Uh, what's <coughs> wrong? Well, everything, basically. 
uh, I, there are fingers being pointed at various people, including the coach, and um, even Noe Morgan's come out with some um, thinly, thinly veiled criticism, I think, of uh, Matthew Mott. Uh, I don't know much about Matthew Mott, but he, he seems to have had a pretty good track record up to this competition. But uh, everything's gone wrong. Uh, the, um, the, the, in some games, they've started off quite nicely, and uh, the whole thing's collapsed, and the, there's no better example of that on... Um, in the game against India at the weekend when uh, they put up a, quite a decent performance in the field and then after uh, what looked like a, it was a brief but a fairly um, a positive start by uh, Bairstow and Milan uh, and then there was an almighty collapse with all the batsmen gone in no time. So what's gone wrong, I just do not know. There will undoubtedly be an inquest into this because as I look at the table now, I've got it in front of me, England... 10th out of 10 with two points from six games so that's five defeats in six and this from the side who uh, as you pointed out at the start Ian are the holders of the competition so there's something seriously amiss here I do think um, looking at it longer term a lot of these players are getting probably beyond their best they will likely not be at the next World Cup but having said that, they, they really should be performing a lot better than they are at the moment. So that's for others to decide what's going wrong. I don't know, but uh, there'll be plenty of uh, uh, people who do have thoughts on it. I, I will just go on to what's happening elsewhere in this competition, actually, because it's starting to get interesting now. Uh, Jim said the Rugby Union World Cup had taken a long time, and this one is going to be as long, if not longer, by the time it's finished. But we are coming to the business end now where each side plays nine matches and most have now played seven. There, there are still um, uh, three games to go uh, to complete this particular round. And as it stands at the moment, India have qualified for the semi-finals. So it's, um, it's all about who gets into the top four. England, India um, unbeaten. They've won all of their seven games and uh, that was just exemplified today by the fact that they beat Sri Lanka by the colossal margin of 302 runs and this in a 50 over match uh, Sri Lanka all out for 55 which I think says uh, a lot about their um, uh, the state of their cricket at the moment having uh, been one of the top sides in 50 over cricket not that long ago so India home and dry and looking very very strong it's hard to see anyone who can beat them uh, but once you get to the last four, anything can happen, of course. South Africa going well. They've got uh, they've just lost one out of seven. And then we've got Australia and New Zealand both on eight points, although the Aussies have got a game in hand on everybody else at the top. And Pakistan and Afghanistan in um, fifth and sixth with six points apiece. So it's any four from those six, I think, apart from, well, any, any three from uh, numbers two to five, I think. So uh, I know Ian, you want to have a, you've got words to, to say about Afghanistan, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's getting quite interesting now, and uh, I think I certainly will be following things a little bit more closely, with a view to seeing who lines up for the semi-finals. Yeah, I mean they've won three games. Uh, they've beaten uh, they beat England, they beat Pakistan. Um, they're having an absolutely fantastic tournament. They're not. Um, they're not fluking these victories either. They're, they're, they're playing very, very well. They're batting well. They're bowling and fielding well. Um, it's, it's a breath of fresh air to see um, uh, what is known as probably a second tier country uh, doing so well in, um, in the Cricket World Cup. Um, so, yeah, I'm all for Afghanistan and new names um, will always help the game um, progress as well. So, um Absolutely fantastic uh, to see Afghanistan doing so well. Um, we'll go back to England and uh, Jim. Um, why? What? What? I don't know why. We're, it's part of the podcast. Um, what do you see as the uh, the, the the crux of the matter? Shall we say? Uh, in business, uh, Ian, there's a there's a phrase that's used quite a lot, and it's called the five P's. <laughs> Proper preparation prevents, there's another P then, poor performance. <laughs> and I think that uh, that sort of sums it up for me. Um, 
the whole preparation was uh, was wrong. Um, and these are fine margin games. I mean, you think of the England South Africa game, won the toss and decided to field. Well, that wasn't really the the right call on the day. Uh, I think most people sitting at home would have thought that doesn't feel like the right call on the day. Um, they've still got three games left, and although they may not, well, they're almost certainly not going to get into the top four, they can have a major influence on who does, because two of those games are against Australia and Pakistan. Um, so um, I would hope that uh, Saturday's game against Australia will at least envisage a motivation amongst whoever plays to want to not lose to anybody other than, well, you never want to lose to Australia. So I would think that will be motivation in itself. And the Australians will be slightly nervy that England are going to turn up one day and it may well be against, uh, may well be against them. Unless it's Australia have lost Marsh today. He's gone home, I think. Um, so, um, there's still quite a lot to play for here because um, there is also the matter of qualification for the Champions League competition. And I think um, from what I'm understanding, you need to finish in the top seven to do that. Um, and therefore, uh, England have got to improve um, and not only uh, improve by winning, but also try and get their run rate into a situation so that if it's level points, they're not pushed down down the table. Now, this is all going to take a lot of doing and an enormous amount of motivation and self-belief um, amongst the amongst the players. But um, that's what they're there for. Um, and they've got to uh, they've, they've got to recognise that they are the world champions at the minute and therefore they've got to play like it. Um, and um, uh, we just hope that the batsman can get some runs, whoever the batsman chosen chosen are um, um, so I go back to the five P's um, and I think in hindsight despite how well he's done the loss of Roy is actually quite important because I think Bairstow and Roy were a partnership I'm not sure that Bairstow and Milan are a partnership both ideally you know, both individually good but not sure as a partnership whereas Bairstow and Roy just seem to hit it off together and um, that may be a factor as well. But yeah. um, all credit to those above them uh, who played well and uh, to Jonathan Trott for getting Afghanistan into such a fine state. Yes, Jonathan Trott is the coach of Afghanistan, I forgot to say. Um, absolutely fantastic job he's doing. Um, Stuart, I'll come to you. Um, just mm. give me your thoughts on on on, on why and, and, and the, the crux of the matter for you. Yeah, well, I, th- I think I think four or five weeks ago, when we uh, on the eve of the World Cup, you asked me for my final four, and I had uh, South Africa, Australia, India, and Pakistan. I, I didn't think at the outset that in- England would make it because uh, I didn't believe that their bowling attack was strong enough. Uh, it's actually turned out that, and I thought that uh, they had a batting lineup to who would need to score 300 plus in every game to give them a chance, and it's the the batting unit really. I think that's been really, really disappointing and the thing for me Ian is that um, you know 50 over cricket and there's talk about well they played a lot of 20 over cricket and they're coming to try and smash the the cover off it and uh, and not adapting but uh, you know if you look at the top five uh, batters in the tournament so far Quinton de Kock 545 runs Virat Kohli 442 runs Ravindra actually from New Zealand he's in there um, David Warner, remember him, 413 runs, and Rohit Sharma, uh, 402 runs. Now they're all sort of 2020 play, the T20 players, the Test cricketers. Um, all five of them know how to build in innings, and I think that's been missing actually, uh, because you know we've 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 got the um, we we play England have you know in, in Test cricket they played Baz Ball, they've been scoring six and over. Um, without any fielding restrictions, for goodness sake, in, in, in test cricket. And, and what I've really been disappointed with is there just doesn't seem to have been any 
uh what's the word any uh permanence about uh i haven't felt that any any of the top six batters have, have gone out with a plan to actually um to build an innings and and that that's been really disappointing uh maybe it's weight of expectation i, I don't know because you know s- s- seven of the world cup winning team uh seven out of eleven uh, of the World Cup winning team in 2019 are out there now, so you can't say it's lack of experience, and uh, maybe it is down to uh, what we talked about earlier with with South Africa is just that uh, that you know that real intense desire to go back and defend your crown because it's far it's far more difficult I think to go back and defend your crown than actually win it for the first time or you know win it if you haven't won it for so many years because you know there's that weight of expectation and everybody's looking to knock you down and the final thing i'll say is i'm increasingly finding that late decision of joss butler to ring uh ben stokes to ask him whether he fancied coming back i think that was odd i think that to me suggests that joss butler was not so confident that they could go out to India and defend their crown. It's an odd decision, particularly as you know Stokes was coming back as a, as a batter, and we've really missed him as a as an all rounder. Actually, he just haven't had that all round presence. Odd decision that. So yeah, I, I, I think you know the batting performance has been really disappointing, and I, I think it probably comes down to weight of expectation. Weight of expectation, and also not really having a fifty over competition that the players play. Um, uh, trying to get the hundred and um, yeah, Ian, Ian, I'm not having that. I'm not having the hundred. Blame for that. You know, there's there there are no fifty. There are very few fifty over competitions across the world. And every country uh, has one. No, 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 no. In fact, India have two. These are high class cricketers who ply the trade across test matches across t20 across 50 over cricket i am but not they don't having play enough i am not having the hundred blamed for england's performance at the at this world but cup it's an absolute nonsense over. it's an absolute nonsense and i've, I've read all this you know the, uh, the lancashire website these same people banging on about this crisp packet competition which is you know is the uh, is the is the devil incarnate it's an absolute load of nonsense i have to tell you and, and a number of, you know the, the likes of warner have turned up in the hundred and he's at the moment he's number four in the list of run scorers in the 50 over so he, he, he can adapt the over yeah, rubbish. Absolute rubbish. I'm not having it. Not having it. Well, what they, what they should have done, of course, was to have taken the uh, champions of the 50 over competition this year as the England team to the World <laughs> Cup. That, that was clearly what, what, what was what was uh, what was needed here. Yeah, um, Chris Wright. Chris Wright should have won the ball. Remind me again who won the 50 over. Well, um, let me think. Now, uh, Hampshire were Hampshire were runners up. Uh, yeah, the mighty foxes. I think it might. I think a, a young chap called Swindles uh, got a hundred. Um, yeah. He was playing for, playing for Leicester, I think it was. I think it was Leicester yeah. that uh, that, wow. that managed to see it see it through. Yeah. Maybe that should have been the England team. Uh, uh, Ackerman's uh, playing uh, for the Dutch. So Ackerman's think, playing for the uh, the Orange yeah. Army. But Ackerman didn't play. Let's be fair. Ackerman oh, he didn't. didn't You're right. You're right. Ackerman didn't play. Uh, I don't think me and Stuart are going to agree. Uh, on this one, um, I am not we'll having it. You'll, am, you'll be we'll told either. <laughs> not having it. I just think it's just like, yeah. Also, uh, the age. Every one of that squad stuff. is over thirty. There's no youngsters in there. Look at the top. Look at the top five batters in uh, five hundred and forty-five runs from Quinton de Kock is retiring after this. Coley, thirty-five years old, he scored four hundred and forty-two. Warner, four hundred and thirteen. Rohit Sharma, four hundred and two runs. They've been around a bit, you know. It's yeah, and they play fifty over cricket. Oh, absolutely. Is Van der Dusen not in that list, Stuart? Uh, he's just he's loitering just below it. All right, I, I, I do have one call which Jonathan Agnew pointed out on the radio, which is that whenever either de Kock or Van der Dusen get 100 and they've batted first, they never field. And, <laughs> and, and, and that's not right. That's not right. Um, I think that's... Well, um, um, well, the, yeah. I think de Kock well, had only kept wicket in two matches. 
um, because yeah, he, he, he got all these yeah. runs. Yeah, he kept wicket yesterday, didn't he? But that's fair. That's fair news. It's fair news, Jim. They shouldn't get away with that. Didn't happen in our day, did it? Didn't happen in our day. No. No, it didn't. Um, it didn't happen in our day. Um, so <laughs> we'll leave cricket there. I think there's a whole puddle um, on that. I think uh, we might do one one day. Um, but we're going to leave it there because, um, again, I've run over slightly um, the time. Um, so we're going to go our sporting moment of the week. And I'm going to go with Bernie first. Go on, sir. Well, I'm back to cricket, Ian, actually, and back to the same competition. I'm going back to last Friday when Pakistan took on South Africa. And this, uh, the, the denouement of this match, and um, uh, I'm sure you guys and uh, listeners may well have been uh, either watching or glued to this in real time as I was. I was getting ready to go out to a dinner. I haven't seen anything on the uh, TV about this particular game, but I did latch onto it around about five o'clock, I think, and it was just approaching a very uh, exciting uh, finale, or what promised to be so. Pakistan made 270, and South Africa were chasing these runs. It, it, it was one of those games, and there haven't been that many really close games in this competition, with two sides who are not guaranteed to, well, South Africa uh, strong favourites now to, to qualify, but they weren't at the time. And uh, Pakistan, uh, again, on the edge of the, uh, the the top four. So it was a really important game. And uh, to cut a long story short, South Africa won the game by one wicket. But uh, I was glued to every ball of the last four or five overs. I think I, I think the two wickets left when I switched on. And um, I was um, uh, d- d- doing what, what you do in, uh, in the bathroom to get ready for these uh, events, uh, putting ties on and cufflinks and one thing or another. And every ball, I was looking on the text to see what was happening to this game. It was so exciting. It finished with uh, Keishad Maharaj uh, getting one through the inner ring to win the game for South Africa. And um, the, the, the relief that uh, that side got from... Uh, such a, an important victory, which put them in the driving seat for the last four, was uh, must have been fantastic. So uh, it, it's just really good to see South Africa thriving as a side. Uh, OK, it's 50-over cricket, there's not much of it played now, but they do look a good team. And for far too long, South Africa, once, uh, uh, traditionally one of the strong sides of international cricket, have uh, they've struggled. And uh, it looks as if they're getting back now, at least in the 50-over game. They, um, I, I, I'm really pleased to see them back. Fantastic game of cricket. And uh, I look, see, look forward to seeing more of those over the next few weeks. Brilliant. Thanks a lot, Bernie. Um, Stuart, yo. Yeah, I'm glad you're leaving Jim to last. I can't wait, so I'll make it very quick. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, cr- cr- cricket as well. Uh, last Monday, Afghanistan played Sri Lanka uh, in the in a World Cup um, uh, qualifier or league qualifier, should I say? Uh, Sri Lanka sc- scored 241, which meant that Afghanistan needed 242 to win. And um, early on in the Afghanistan innings, the camera uh, panned over to the Afghanistan. Uh, dugout for, for once a, a better expression um or the the, the team and the, the the coaches on the uh, on the sidelines and they panned in on this flip chart and um John, uh, Jonathan Trott you mentioned who's the uh, the head coach of Afghanistan the only coach in the uh, in the tournament by the way uh, never to have set foot in the country that he's coaching uh, and he probably never will uh, for obvious reasons. Um, but uh, Jonathan Trott had set out on this flip chart uh, the uh, the Afghan targets to reach uh, 242 to win, which was simply written in red felt tip pen. After 10 overs, we need to be 50. After 20 overs, we need to be 100. After 30 overs, we need to be a, a 150. After <laughs> 40 overs, we need to be 200. And after 48.2 overs, we need to be 242. <laughs> I just thought, I thought, 
that is brilliant. And that is simplicity personified. And I thought, you know, Mott and the England squad, just have a look at that. Just Butler, have a look at it. Because it is actually simple. Cricket is a simple game. Sport, a lot of sport is simple. Uh, Jim talked about, you know, proper planning. And that is proper planning. That is setting out very, very clearly what the targets are. And I thought it was wonderful. Um, the camera kept panning back to it. After 30 overs, they were slightly behind. But uh, the 40 over target was 200. And after 40 overs, they were 201. Uh, I thought, so, thought it was great. And um, they, they were, he, he, set them, he set them the target of winning in 48.2 overs. They actually won in 45.2 overs. So they were three overs uh, uh, ahead of schedule. But... Um, no, I thought that was a real lesson, actually, uh, in terms of just making uh, the game, just breaking it down into simple parts and just making it simple and not overthinking it. Great stuff. That was my is that, moment. Is that what's known as back to basics coaching, Stuart? Absolutely is, yeah. right. And, and yeah. you know, I'm all for it. I, I just thought about England and all their thoughts about, you know, Jim mentioned when they chose to bat uh, to field first against South Africa in 40 degree heat, yeah. you know, yeah. because the stats said that chasing at that particular ground, actually, there'd only been four 50 over games since 2011 at the ground. They were going on, they were going on T20 stats. Uh, an IPL stats and it's just you know it's just overthinking it and I just thought that was great back to basics get it yeah. done well that's Stuart thank you um, so yeah we're, um, we've saved uh, the best uh, till last uh, Jim Yay. Um, here we go long more championship <laughs> well after that build up I feel a bit anxious uh, <laughs> did you know that as we, as we sit here there are 266 days, three hours, two minutes and 31, 30 seconds, 29 seconds to go to the Summer Olympics of 2024. So um, because of that, there are various qualifying events taking place all over the place um, in order to book your place at uh, uh, Paris. Mm-hmm. And so my sporting moment of the week concerns a chap called Toby Roberts, who you may or may not have heard of. Um, he's not from round here. He's from Elstead in uh, in Surrey. But he's become the first British male climber to earn an Olympic place. And he won the European qualification event in Laval in France. Now, what makes this lad a bit special um, is his background, really, uh, which I'll just share with you. Um, he first, um, his first recorded climb when he was three years old on a family day out. Um, he joined his first climbing club four years later. Um, and, uh, he was somewhat of a child prodigy. And this is where the Yorkshire connection comes in. He has become, he was the youngest ever Brit to climb the Bar Rain Dogs route at Malham Cove at just 10 years old. Um, and um, he went on from there and he's been practicing with his dad, dad tutoring him and um, and everything and everything else. Um, and this year he's come on, in my mom's tempted to say, leaps and bounds um, uh-huh. because um, he um, he won his first ever World Cup title at Chamonix in July 23. Um, and he then uh, three weeks later won the bouldering gold at the Brixen World Cup in Italy. Um, and um, he clinched this um, European event, which was a combined... There, there are two... In, in, in climbing, there are two particular disciplines. One's called bouldering and one's called the lead. Um, and after the um, uh, the uh, semi-final, um, he was following the, the boulder, final he was in fourth place and so he just had the lead to go but what he did was he was the only climber on the day who reached the top of the 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 wall um and that by so doing he got a a glittering gold medal and clinched team gb a historic spot at the paris 2024 um, olympics the second time that climbing's been in the olympics of course 
Um, and in the Olympics, the gold medal is going to be for a combined lead and boulder competition. And there's a separate competition called speed. Um, of course, he follows on Shauna Coxey, who was the uh, female representative at Tokyo. Mm. Um, and there's one other bit I'll just share with you. Um, and um, it's a bit that you never see, which is called the isolation. And what happens here is that um, um, the competitors are locked in a room uh, without any Internet. So they can't cheat by watching how other people have gone up the wall because they're not shown the wall in advance. Mm. Um, so you have to psych yourself up and psych out your opponents in this stage. So um, apparently you can spot Roberts in this isolation because he takes with him uh, food a pack of cards, a fan, and a foam roller. Now, for the best one in the world, I have not yet identified what a foam roller is designed to do, other than perhaps to just keep stopping your hands from sweating so you keep rolling this thing over, over your over your hands. Um, but there are now 266 days, 2 hours, 58 minutes, and 17 seconds to the start of the Olympics. So when you see it, just keep your mind and keep your attention on a chap called Toby Roberts going for gold for England. Yay. UK. No, sorry. Sorry. Yes. Sorry. Sorry. Great Britain and Northern Ireland. Sorry. Not, not yes. UK even. Great Britain and Northern Ireland. My <laughs> apologies to uh, everybody connected with Great Britain and Northern Ireland for that mistake. Thank you, Stuart. <laughs> Jim, actually, it was brilliant. Thank you so much for that. Um, thank you all three of you for your input this week. Um, it's been absolutely fantastic. Um, just to let you know, we won't be covering Leicester Leeds, but you can catch it on Sky. We will be covering Huddersfield against Watford, I know, on Saturday afternoon. So um, if you're um, in hospital, you'll be able to listen to that. Um, thanks, uh, Jim. Thanks, Stuart. Thanks, Bernie. Um, much appreciated. We hope you all get well soon and get out of hospital. And uh, until next time, it's goodbye. Goodbye.